says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet. It is the instant reaction version of the podcast, unfortunately coming on the back of a loss. But as always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me the breakdown, the defeat at the hands of the Rabbitohs in round 16 is my good mate, 60s. It's always nice to try and welcome you in on a positive note, mate, but unfortunately the Eels certainly let this one slip out of their fingers. Mate, uh, beyond disappointed tonight. And I'm going to suggest that the 30 to 12 scoreline flattered us. It's a weird one because, on the other hand, you know, 18 6 at half time probably, you know, it was a bit cruel given how well we defended our line. Now, that the last second intercept on Alex Johnston, and then suddenly, you know, you look at that end scoreline and we scored a late try we probably didn't deserve in the context of the territorial battle. So, yeah, I'm, I don't think it's too far off the mark there. Let's jump into the numbers, as we always do, to cap off our recap. And we're going to go with the try scorers. Alex Johnston getting a double. He loves scoring against the Parramatta Eels. He loves scoring in general. Jai Arrow, who scored one of the more freakish tries you're going to see in the conditions. Uh, that one was a, a bit frustrating as a fan. It's like, how the hell did they manage to pull that one off? But then Jackson Polo and Damian Cook scoring in the 60 minutes period themselves. Latrell Mitchell, who was not a, you know, a sharpshooter by any means, but he was five from five uh, off the, the tee. For the Eels, Gooden Gufferson got a double. Mitchell Moses going two from two. In terms of the team stats, uh, South Sydney solidly ahead on possession, 53 to 47%, uh, plus three and a half minutes in time possession, completed at 75% to Parramatta's 70 uh, And then, as you'd expect, of those uh, sort of possessional advantages, they were ahead in all key attacking metrics, uh, 400 more run meters, uh, five line breaks to two, 34 tackle breaks to 14, plus seven on the average set meter distance. And then... Uh, play to ball speed. Rare game where the Eels had a faster play to ball speed. 4.02 for South to Parramatta's 3.52. And then just going down. Nothing too much jumps out. Uh, surprisingly, the Eels defended at 89% effective tackle rate to South Sydney's 92.7. Uh, I don't know if the tape or the eye test supports that metric there, 60s, given that it felt like Souths were getting free of a lot of tackles. But there you go. Uh, and then in terms of uh, discipline, 13 areas apiece. Parramatta conceding three penalties to South Sydney's five but two ruck infringements to South Sydney's zero. Mate, I, again, it's. I think this is one of those games where the eye test says a lot about uh, what took place out there. So, um, yeah, that's... It was just ugly, mate. There, I, I can't think that there was a, a place on the park where we were able to hold our own tonight. There just wasn't. Uh, we were beaten all over the park, but I think we looked ugliest in the spine. Yeah, I, I, that was definitely one of my big talking points was this was one of those rare games when none of our four core playmakers stepped up and made a difference. I thought Reed actually started this game all right uh, to a better sort of clip than he had for most of the season, but then he regressed pretty badly on the back of that uh, shonky 40-20 attempt that Alex Johnston essentially intercepted uh, as a shallow winger. Uh, but yeah, that that was where it really stung. Getting outplayed by Lachlan Ilias in a game where Cody Walker didn't do much is uh, pretty frustrating. Uh, so that one certainly hurts. I don't think uh, they were terrible across the park. I thought there were a couple of guys that had pretty reasonable games. 
Short Lane really comes to the top of my mind there. Had some good players on both sides of the ball. Uh, I thought the props were okay. Reg and Junes. Um, I mean, Junior put his hand up for a lot of work, but just uh, couldn't quite break through. Uh, and then outside of that, I thought maybe Bally Simonson at the back. He wasn't spectacular, but South Sydney made him do a lot of work, and I thought he was okay considering. But yes, this this is a game where no particular positional group dominated or competed fantastically, and in particular, our playmakers really didn't make a fist of it. Look, there's individual efforts where you might say it was commendable. However, it just looked like a group of strangers out there. And I think it looked mostly like a group of strangers because there wasn't any area where we got any cohesion you know or what, any ascendancy. You know what it looked like, 60s? And I hate to say it, but it looked like a Parramatta Eels team coming off a bye. It is just our kryptonite, it feels like. We just do not come out of buys hitting the ground running. Yeah, it's... <laughs> How about we don't we don't hit the ground running in two weeks in a row? That, that's what... It, that almost also, what also, it not, also not unfair. I mean, I've been mentioning it indirectly in my Team West blogs, you know, when we're talking about the quest for consistency and whatnot. It's been, not just with me, it's been a talking thing for the Parramatta you know, in the broader public and media. They cannot for the life themselves, back up a good performance at the moment. You'd, you'd have to declare that Parramatta look anything but a top-four team at the moment. Fair. Uh, we, uh, we will play finals football, but we're, we're not giving any indication that we can find the level of consistency to be deserving of a top-four spot. Uh, I mean, if you found it for the rest of the year, we'd probably, you know, romp in into the top four spot because yeah, teams have to play each other and, and other teams are going to drop games here and there above us. However, every time there's an opportunity to get ourselves into strong contention for a top four spot, we shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, we Now, absolutely. tonight was a chance to skip six points. That's right, create, create a monster buffer from, was it six spot to seventh on the ladder? If I just quickly yeah. check. Yeah, it would have been yeah, creating that buffer in the top six uh, and then helping us uh, get an equal share of fourth place with the Sharks uh, and then, yeah, and, and keep in touch with the Storm and the Cowboys, less so the Panthers who are just miles ahead of us now. Yeah, look, I want to pick apart uh, some of the areas where I have my greatest concern. First of all, our starts, our match starts are close to horrid yep. this year. Okay. We have allowed the opposition to score first in 12 of the 15 games. Now, maybe I'm being a bit liberal in, in counting Newcastle in that because they got off with a penalty goal to get first points on the board. But even if we just 11 of 15 is still crazy, yeah. Yeah, and even even accounting for that, eleven of the fifteen games, the opposition has scored the first try in the in the match. So, in other words, we are on the back foot from the start of the games far too often in this season, and I I don't know what it is. And the other factor seems to be, and and you know maybe I'm just judging it based on tonight. But it seems like we end up in a position where we uh, concede ba- um, multiple sets, repeat sets uh, to an opposition early in the game. Now I know that that wasn't hasn't been the case in every match because there's been a couple where we had some good early possession and basic, basically tried to 
do too much too early in matches, and that was a downfall. But tonight, you know, it just felt like everything was uh, was gearing up towards us being on the back foot. The other area that I that I was deeply concerned about tonight was our kicking game. Yeah, it was a mess. Our kicking game was, well, I'm going to say it was absolute mud. That sounds appropriate in the conditions. Given the but state our of kicking the call. game was diabolical tonight. And uh, look, Mitch Moses' aspect of that was uh, he was having to kick from deep within his own half. So I'm not, I'm not so much counting that. But if you if you look at what we were able to achieve from our kicking game against the uh, against South Sydney, our attacking kicks. Well, I think oh, that felt us in a few I'll times. I'll go one and step further than you, sixties. I, if I was Brad Arthur, I would almost be issuing a mandate that Guffo's not allowed to kick now. Uh, given what we saw, not just tonight, but this year, he struggled to put the touch on those kicks. He had two go dead and one travel about a metre when it came to the grubber kicks. And, one, and to be fair, one of those grubber kicks was sort of like a spur of the moment. The ball was dropped and we sort of trying to make something out of nothing. But yeah, we just lack of polish. And we didn't get to the red zone very often. And outside of those two tries that we scored that were well constructed, the other ones, the other times that we had there, pretty much the kicking game just gave us no chance. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I can't even begin to start talking about those. Um, and look, it's this isn't as if it's the first time that we've seen Gutho struggle with those kicks, or you know, just having I don't know poor choice of when he kicks or poor execution, whatever it might be. But his kicking game is definitely something that if he's going to continue to be a kicking option, that he needs to, he badly needs to work on it because the execution, uh, let alone the, the choice of when to kick, is, is just not there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that is unfair. Yeah, and this is another game. And as, as I, I don't know if it's because it's the Parramatta Eels and we're contributing to it, but given that Souths were on from the first whistle. It's another case of the opposition team really probably delivering their season best performance. Latrell Mitchell coming back into the team. And while he didn't have an incredible game, he obviously set up a nice try for Damian Cook late in the game, but you don't look at the numbers and go, wow, Latrell made the difference. South Sydney played far more confident compared to what we've seen from them in recent, uh, recent years, recent weeks. Well, <sighs> my concern my concern here is, and I, and I wrote about this uh, a couple of weeks ago before the, the Roosters game, is that when we continue to deliver subpar performances against against teams that we're expected to beat, then what fear do teams have? Yeah. We're, we're, we're almost inviting them the ability to punch up to us, exactly. Yeah, so if you, if you contrast it to, say, the Penrith Panthers, I, I think it'd be fair to say that a lot of opposition teams have lost the game before they've even taken to the field because they're worried about what Penrith's going to do. Yep. They're thinking about – they are thinking about them, whereas you now have – I mean, South Sydney have got every reason to be confident against us because the the last five matches have just been absolute cakewalks on the scoreboard. Yep. Uh, when we're just – I mean, again, tonight, we – look, I can't say that we weren't in the contest because – uh, well, 30, 35 I mean, seconds ago yeah. in the first half, it was 12-6. We, we yeah, had possession yeah. of the ball. We just play it through the hands or, or through the ruck. We go on to oranges at halftime, and we're down one score. 
and you know we get yeah. the, we get first possession next half, and, and then instead we you know go for the crazy home uh, home run play, hail mary play, and Alex Johnston says thank you very much, and that there was probably the ball game. How how often have you and I been critical about the hail mary or the hero ball? That, it, that is attempted to be thrown in entirely the wrong circumstances. Yeah, unless, unless it is literally to win a game, there is no reason for it. We, yeah, we are... So you go. I was just going to say, this is why I, I said that the the, the part of the, the game that we were really beaten in was the spine, the, the performance of the spine. It yeah. was just... And, and look, that was... Mitch Moses has to own that one there because... Yep. You're talking about a decision that was made, as you say, with the score at 12-6. We'd been on the back foot all through the first half. You cop some, ru- you cop some rough calls from the refs in the bunker in the first it half. This it is, was a fortunate score. 12-6. Yeah, it was incredible. Was the most That's flattering right. score. Yeah. 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 And, and, no, look, I shouldn't say flattering score because the, the, we battled and battled and battled through that first half. And to and to let them double their lead with such a play was diabolical. It was absolutely diabolical because at twelve six you come out and and with the with the the um basically the arm wrestle that was there in the early part of the second half and look we've we saw Parramatta do this against Penrith where they were able to withstand the pressure and the arm wrestle and come from behind. To win now, they basically set themselves up to be in a similar position to that. But once again, in this situation, uh, they've conceded a try that they shouldn't have conceded. And I still come back to the to the fact that it's it's another area of the game where we've just been beaten in. We've been beaten in the in the football intelligence. There, mm-hmm. we've been beaten in the football intelligence because it is so far away from a smart play. It's not funny. I, uh... Yeah, and and I'm and I'm not I'm not using this as a dig at Mitch Moses because I rate Mitch Moses as a player, and you know he he's a quality halfback. But in that moment, these are the moments that we've got to stop doing as a team, because because there is no football intelligence in a moment like that, just none. And uh... and those moments can cost decisive games. Well, it might have just cost us a spot in the top four. Like that, that's yeah, how this might And we don't know how the game would have possibly panned out at being only six points down rather than 12 points down. I mean, we couldn't we couldn't seem to manufacture a play, but you have to think to yourself, what's in the back of the players' minds as time's ticking by and we're 12 points down, not six? I mean, if you're if you're only six points down, you're thinking to yourself, you're, you're, not, own, cha- you're not chasing points. You're one score yep. away, exactly. It, it, and, and and as as silly as it sounds, we see this not just from the Parramatta but from every team in the competition that isn't Melbourne or Penrith, essentially, that there is a mentality shift when you're chasing points. The you know, yep. and you know, you you be more aggressive, more reckless. You get more you know impatient, and we saw that with Parramatta. They, they they couldn't get into the arm wrestle. They let South Sydney dictate the flow of the game, and they got strangled to death. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, Ugh. mate, I, I, look, this is the sort of podcast where I don't want to spend too much time dissecting what was wrong because I, you know I think it's basically everything. You know, most things were wrong, if not everything was wrong. But you know, I'll concede that there was there were some players out there that are deserving of. 
um, a bit of praise. Look, so how we we can't get a three two one. So how about we just mention some players that we thought uh, had a had a real dig tonight. But before that, I, was, I do want to mention that the reason I'm not as down, like even though this loss is bad, I don't see it as bad as some of the other losses we've had structurally compared to, say, the Tigers, the Dogs, Cronulla, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, the other thing that I saw in this game that gave me some hope to think that there is uh, not innovation, but maybe uh, the, the right kind of mindset creeping into the team from a sort of macro level is that we saw short kickoffs. We saw one-on-one strip attempts in this game. So that the team was trying to engineer the right kind of plays against uh, what's it called? A, a glut of possession against you, like when when the team is camped on your line, and to an extent they worked out, and then to an extent there was some bad luck too. I mean, that bunker call at South Sydney were able to challenge. I am certain that fa- that ball flicked that farm and it moved, but you know, that that's you know water on the bridge now. So in that regard, I am not too unhappy about that. Uh, that that was good to see, but geez, just having your four playmakers play so flat is such a backbreaker. Yeah, yeah, uh, but you, and, you said. And- they were they were all completely flat. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, and uh, there, was, there was some you know. Junior went off for a, oh. Speaking of HIOs, how did Campbell Graham pass his HIO? How? Oh, the, no, the, the guy's eye was half closed within thirty seconds of making contact with the shoulder. But no, there definitely no concussion there. So uh, just the, the HIO. And, and look, my. My only my only gripe about official them was I reckon one in three Damien Cook passes were forwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like out of, out of dummy half, especially in that first twenty thirty minutes of the first half, they they were diabolical. Yeah. I mean, they weren't even close. They were diabolically forward. But you know that wasn't you know like that's just a little gripe. That's in no way no detracting from how how much they how superior they were. I, to, I would argue uh, I would argue right. that we get penalised for the Alex Johnston pushing the back on Bowie Simonson. I feel like that's something that would go against us. And the other one that uh, jumped out was the... Well, what, what do you make of the Zai Papali'i incident? Put on report because he pushed Lachlan Elias instead of tackling. Okay, so now you're not allowed to push in the game. Yeah. That, so that that has to be... Is that a, is that a rule? Oh, apparently, that a, Sh- Shane Flanagan was saying on the, bo- the broadcast that you have to tackle above the hips. Is he believes it's how it's written in the rule? So, uh, so hang on, hang on. That, that that I mean, for a start, that can't be right. Tackle above the hips because you have players that make ankle taps. You have players that make legs tackles. I, I think he's like, trying to argue in the context of the kick is how he understands it was written. I don't know. It just oh, okay, it, it feels okay. it feels like the push is not an illegal play. It's not. It's not a shoulder charge. It's it's the use of the arms, which is like the determinant for a tackle, right? Trying to wrap with arms or use arms. So I don't know. But he was put on report yeah. for putting uh, Ilias into a vulnerable position. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Anyway, that oh, that look. wasn't that wasn't the uh, the crux of the game by any means. It's just one of those ones that sticks out to me. It's kind of like, are we really doing this? But anyway, yeah. Trying to salvage some silver lining from the sixties. You mentioned that there probably isn't a free two one from this game, and I think that's probably fair. There were individuals, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, that I thought performed uh, either quite well in the case of Sean Lane uh, or pretty solidly. So, I don't know. I, I, if I was just looking for the team list, I thought uh, Bailey Simonson was probably the pick of the backs. Although I thought Wong, the numbers aren't good for Wong, but I thought he had a lot of off-the-ball efforts. 
It was there, you know, the guy, the guy always chasing Alex Johnston from the other side of the field and whatnot. Uh, I thought the two props were solid, especially June's. And then, yeah, Sean Lane. And then a little shout-out to Kai Rodwell, who got more minutes this week and had a couple of good runs in late in the game. Yeah, uh, look, I, I, I'm probably not going to disagree with you there. Um, I, you know, like, I've got a bit of time for Simonson's efforts tonight. The two props, as you mentioned, uh, Sean Lane looked most likely. Uh, Ice was busy, um, and I thought Oregon again had a really solid. Yeah, except Oregon was really good, except for the offload that that killed me. There's there was no no need to offload there in the context of the game where we were finally reestablishing ourselves in the first half, and then he did. So, um, oh, that was the other thing. The scrum, the scrum, the ball came outside the props' legs, and they just let it play on. Oh my god! So, uh, but uh, that was that was uh, Gutho kicking the ball back, wasn't it? Was Gutho wasn't that Gutho packed into the second row? Uh, I think so. It got it got caught in the second row and then popped out from the kick. Yeah, but if the ball comes out from the front rows like legs, it is not play on. It must come out from the lock's feet. As literally how scrums are written in both codes. Well, look, we know that ninety nine times out of a hundred, when that happens. The referee's it's, it's, going it's to blown up. It is blown up. Parramatta have legitimately won scrums in the last three years because we're one of the few teams that actually competes for scrums every now and then. And it's been blown up because the referee's like, oh, I, I don't think that's supposed to happen. And yet it comes out the front row's feet and they're like, yeah, play on. South Sydney can have the ball. So once yeah. again, once again yeah. it did, did not contribute to why we lost. It's just that, that stuff sticks out to me when it's been such a bad year for officiating. Yeah, yeah. But so, yeah. Uh, mate, what going forward... We we now play the West Tigers yep. on so their home turf, going out to having, the uh, quote unquote eighth wonder of the world. Yeah, yeah. Having having lost to them on our turf, we now take them on at Leichhardt Oval. Um, are you making any changes to the team? So, looking at the team that took to the field today, um, and I, I'll tell you what, it's a funny little note. When I saw that our flag and cup teams had grinded out good, solid, tough wins, I was filled with dread. It just felt like the sort of, the sort of results, like, oh, no, they've gotten the good wins, so we're probably going to have a bad win, for, a bad loss in first grade. Uh, looking at the team sheet, so, like, I mean, I've gone out in, in recent weeks and I said you could afford to, not, not afford, but you could go so far as dropping someone like Reed Marnie if he continues to have a bad game. I thought he bounced back against the Roosters. But then you have this game, so I, I don't know if you bring Mitchell Rain onto the bench, given that we had a guy in Tom Obachek who's barely saw any playing time, and he could just be the dummy half that either gets time or doesn't. Uh, but uh, looking outside of that, I, I don't think you can tweak the forward pack too much. Ryan Madison comes back in if his ribs permit him to, and that lets you get Murata back onto the bench and gives you greater balance on your interchange, which probably means either Kai Rodwell drops out or Rob will go to that 17th position and you just play the four forwards on the bench. In the back line, though, 60s, what, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, I've got no issues with Bailey. I like Wanga. I think Mike is still coming along nicely, honestly. Uh, Will's, Will's had a few struggles recently. Uh, he got one-on-one stripped this game. Uh, he had a few errors for Tonga against New Zealand, and I think just you know going back a couple weeks before, there's been a few errors here and there in his game, but I wouldn't be dropping him by any means. Uh, are there any changes you'd be making? Look, probably not, but it feels I've like it feels say, like people, some some people need to be put on notice, though, right? Like the uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I think our our captain's not 
in his best form. I think that that is completely fair to say. I don't. I mean, we've mentioned it in the podcast at times this year where it feels like he's had a good game here and there, but it's certainly nowhere near what we've come to expect of Gufferson in terms of that ultra consistent presence. Yeah, um, I think uh, Reed certainly didn't have anywhere near his best game. He was completely outplayed by Cook tonight. Um, but again, you, what you look at is what are the options outside of that? Now, you, you're not going to drop the, the team captain based on um, not being at his usual high standard. Now, look, I, I think Gutho hasn't been at his usual high standard for much of this year, but then you go, well when he's not at his high standard, is he still better than any other option? And the answer is probably yes. Um, so, you know, there, there's no change. There's, you know, it's just hard to, it's hard to think, is there, is there a possible change? Um, and look, I, I can't see that there, I can't see that there's one coming or, or on the horizon. Um, well, you're not you're not dropping Mitchell Moses or Dylan Brown after a bad game. No, no, they've been no, very good this no. year. But I think you are definitely pointing fingers at Gufferson and Marnie. It's, they're the two players that we've probably been the most critical of when it comes to our instant reactions and our sort of post match analysis across the course of the season when we're talking about some of these defeats and even some of the wins where it wasn't so pretty. Uh, but you know, in the front row, Regent Junior, they're they're two of the pillars there. But the back row was not the issue tonight. And yeah, you know, obviously Ryan Madison's a big out, and that doesn't help. Um, and you know, they probably didn't get as much juice off the bench as it would have been used uh, used to with Murata starting at lock four, which is why we were pushing for one of Macker or even Oggy to start at lock four for that reason. But in saying that, we already mentioned that Oregon had a good game outside of that offload. So yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, you can tweak the bench like we mentioned. You can drop Tom Opachuk for Mitch Rain or or Kai Robert and Tom Opachuk are sort of the two that you can move around, whether Madison's back or you want to bring in Mitch Rain or Bryce Cartwright. But today was, you know, just a functionally a failure of the playmakers. And that's comes down to them executing better. And then, I don't know, like, you, you're not, are you, <laughs> things have to be bad for you to consider dropping Quinton Gufferson. That's what I'm saying. Like, bad, bad. Yeah, yeah. No, so I'm not considering making any changes. We saw the better version of South Sydney tonight, even even in those conditions. But we we don't go and excuse a loss just saying that the better version of the opponent turned up because the better version of Parramatta should be turning up as well in a match like this. In a match like this, Parramatta had just as much, if not more, to play for than South Sydney. Parramatta comes into it on the back of a win and a and a, a strong convincing win over the Roosters. South come into it on the on the back of a diabolical performance against the Dragons. Diabolical. I mean Ilias so, got hooked in the first half in that game. Yeah. That's how bad it was. And then we we make him look like and obviously he would have been looking to bounce back, but we helped make him look like prime Adam Reynolds out there controlling games with the kick. Yeah, so what we what we basically saw was South executing far better than than what Parramatta ex, how Parramatta executed, and you know you you can't like like I said we we've, we've had South turn up the better version of themselves. We've had other teams turn up the better versions of themselves, and when the better versions of some of these teams are turning up, 
we're not. We're just not. And um, and, and and whilst I can see your argument that it, it, it wasn't a diabolical Parramatta that turned up tonight, it, it wasn't. It just wasn't good enough. It just wasn't. It, it comes like, back it's to not that acceptable. feeling. It's that, just not acceptable. The performance like that. That if we prepare mentally correctly for the likes of the Panthers, the Storm, obviously the Sydney Roosters, most recently, we can take on as adverse a conditions you can ask for in terms of playing a seventh string winger, having some bad calls go against you with that kick out, miss knock on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, we mentioned in the past that Nelfin, Sofa, Solomon, Hyshot, Makatoa, all those things, right? And we can play so well. But if we come against a team that we're sort of expecting ourselves to beat and beat comfortably, maybe, uh, we can't adjust when they start punching up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, mate, I don't know if there's too much more that we can that we can dive into tonight. I, I, I think we're, we're just going to be... Uh, portraying the misery of it all more than anything else. I don't know that there's any more insights that we can offer after after what we've talked about thus far. I mean, the the good news is that the loss wasn't incredibly costly in the context of making the finals. Eels still sitting six, equal share of fifth with Brisbane, just one win behind Cronulla, two wins behind the Storm and the Cowboys. And like I said before, we're not touching Penrith at this point. They're a whopping 10 points ahead of the Eels. Uh, they're, in fact, they're just running away with the minor premiership again. They're three points clear of any other team in the competition. Sorry, three points, three wins clear of any other point uh, teams in the competition, which is just ridiculous at this point in the season. It speaks to how well they're running across the last three years. But yeah, it, it definitely stings. And like you said, it was a chance to create an incredible six-point buffer between sixth and seventh. And unfortunately, now Rabbitohs are on our heels. Yeah, yeah, and 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 for that, uh, the the players need to go. And take a look in the mirror. It's as it's as simple as that. Yeah, it, it, we once again it comes back to we we literally have a blueprint that beats the best teams in competition, and it, but that blueprint requires effort and consistency. So that yeah. you know that's yeah. there there are you know seventeen given blokes a week that know what it takes, and sometimes they don't want to do it. So that that's going to be the question for the remainder of the year, uh, and it's you know it's it's going to decide a lot of people's futures, I feel like, this year, you know, from players and beyond. Uh, well, you know, which is, it's awful to say, but how bad they want it, it means a lot this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And on that very sombre note, geez, uh, we're going to sign off. Paramount Reels falling to the South Sydney Rabbitohs to the tune of 30-12. to 12. Uh, Like we said, not a good loss, and uh, they're going to have to pick our pieces up very quickly to back up into Leichhardt. Uh, what is it? It's Tigers, Warriors, and then we get into some pretty uh, spooky territory, I think. Yeah, Brisbane, Penrith, Manly at Manly. Then we're back to, back to South Sydney. So just go figure. That's uh, how that yeah. all works. Uh, yeah, so got to pick up the pieces quickly, mate. On to the West Tigers. As always, thanks for stopping by and giving two morose blokes a listen. Obviously not the happiest of podcasts, but we do appreciate appreciate you guys and girls sticking through to the end. We will catch you guys, uh, was it, probably Wednesday this week, right, 60s, for the uh, NRL yeah. News podcast with Spiro, who I'm sure is going to have some uh, very spicy takes on this game. But until then, stay safe. We'll catch you in the next episode of The Tip Sheet. Thanks, everyone.